Hustle podcast, a platform for fresh and honest stories from successful entrepreneurs, self-driven freelancers, and motivated individuals that are here to help encourage you to hustle and turn your passion project into reality. In today's episode, we're excited to welcome a social media guru, somebody who has taken digital marketing in her stride, having an abundance of experience in the industry, and now founding her own social media agency, The Selfhood. Working with clients such as Bill's Restaurant, Putt Shack, and Candy Kittens, our guest has helped give online interactions that more friendly feel and build a solid social media strategy. Today's episode will be hosted by myself, Alex Jones, and my colleague, Ryan Mills. So without any more suspense, we would love to welcome Daisy Morris. Welcome, Daisy. How are you doing? Hello. What a lovely intro. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, to kick things straight off, could you explain a little bit about what it is that you do and what is the Selford? Yeah, absolutely. So I started the selfhood two and a half years ago. And in all honesty, it was born out of a bit of a frustration. So I'd studied fashion at university for three years and then left uni, worked in creative agencies, worked in fashion houses, worked in events, had a bit of a um, zigzag, I guess, in my career, did loads of different things. But throughout my whole time working with brands and in-house, I had worked with other digital marketing agencies and social media agencies. And there have been quite a few times where, and I'm the kind of person that if I don't understand something, I'll just say, like, what does that mean? Or can you elaborate on that? Um, Because I'd rather, and I encourage everyone to do that, whether it's clients or um, people in my team, I just say, no question's too big or too small. So I'm very much, I encourage it, but also that's kind of how I live my life. I'd rather just make myself sound silly for two two minutes rather than nod along and then think, crap, I need to go and find out what that actually means. Um, but a few times I've asked, what does that actually mean or can you explain that? Throughout my career with other social media agencies and digital agencies, and I was just made to feel really silly. And I was in my last job and... I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit hungover. <laughs> and I was just feeling a little bit burnt out and I was on the tube and I was listening to this podcast, which, by the way, I really recommend. It's called How I Built This and it's got um, stories of amazing businesses and how they grew. And I was listening to the Airbnb episode of How They Built Airbnb and I just thought, there's more to life than this. I think I've got more to offer the world. So I just went in, handed in my notice. I'm not going to lie. I had no savings, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, But I kind of just went for it. And I knew that there was a massive gap in the market to help business owners, freelancers, creatives, people starting their side hustles, students, anyone with an interest in social media and digital um, to learn in a space that felt welcome and non-threatening because my experience had been a little bit intimidating at times. And I just thought, you know what? There's so much opportunity in this space. Um, There's so much networking opportunities and chances to grow ideas and brands and businesses. So I just went for it and I started off freelancing for a few um, fashion brands and hospitality brands. And then it just kind of grew in lockdown, really. I think where everyone just needed social media support and everyone was on their phone more. And yeah, it grew and it's now developed into more of an online platform. So I work with my clients um, one-to-one, but then I also do workshops and events and training because I just want it to be as accessible as possible and I know what it's like when you're starting a business or if you're just graduated or whatever situation you're in in your creative career sometimes these things can feel really overwhelming and actually 
if you know what you're doing and if you've got an open mind, they can just be, yeah, amazing for growth and amazing for opportunities. So, yeah, it was kind of honestly born out of a frustration and it's, yeah, that's what it is now. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so it's clear that you've got an abundance of experience in marketing. Can you tell us a bit more about your journey leading up to you starting the selfhood? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I said, I, I studied fashion at university and I genuinely thought that I was going to be a fashion designer. That's what I wanted to do. And I got about two weeks in and I just realised I, I cannot sew. I was honestly <laughs> terrible. I was the last person in the studio every day. I just couldn't get it. I, I sewed this collar on wrong and back to front about no joke. I'm not even exaggerating about 12, 13 times. I had to sit and unpick it. And my tutor just said, you know, I don't think this is right for you. So I ended up specialising in digital. So I made websites um, and content. And that's where I kind of really knew that social media and digital was where I wanted to go. And this was only six years ago and it was nowhere near as big as it is now because obviously social media and digital marketing, it changes all of the time, which I think is really exciting. Um, and it's, it's such a cool industry because if, like me, you have quite a short attention span, you can just keep learning, keep evolving. But I then went and worked in a creative agency which was really interesting because at uni you learn the creative skills and you learn you know how to from well certainly in my course it was more about creative skill set whereas then when you work in an agency all of a sudden even things like email etiquette and how to properly construct an email and get organized with your time and how to speak to clients that's not that that wasn't taught to me at uni. So that was actually a really big culture shock. And if I'm being completely honest, I really struggled to start with because I'm quite a creative person. Organization at that point wasn't really my strong point. Um thankfully now, after years of experience, I've learned to be a lot more organized with my time. Um so yeah, I started off in a creative agency. I then went and worked for a fashion brand, and the first day I got there my manager said, can you pull an analytics report from? I'd never done it before. And I was just like, yeah, of course I can. So I spent three days Googling how to do it, spent my evenings working on it. And I just taught myself how to do it. And then after that, I kind of realized I can teach myself anything if I really want to. And so much of my experience prior to the selfhood has all been self-taught. I've done a few courses um, and my previous employers paid for courses. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about breaking out into a new industry um, and there's something that you want to upskill in, please do ask your employers. Most of the time, they're just really happy to hear that you um, just want to grow your skill set and furthermore improve the performance of the business. So if you can put a business case together and say, I really like the look of this course. I think it's going to really support me with X, Y, Z and help with this part of the business. They can't really say no. Um, and just on that as well, again, if you are listening to this and, and social media and digital interests you, YouTube, honestly, is my favourite resource. I still have to learn stuff all the time because, yes, I've worked with loads of brands, but social media and digital changes all of the time. So it would be impossible for me to know everything. So I allocate what I call thinking days and learning days 
And honestly, YouTube, it's free. There's loads of experts on there that share their knowledge. So um, again, if one of your barriers is that you think, oh, I, I can't afford a course or I haven't got loads of experience, I do loads of learning on YouTube still. Um, and there's loads of free courses, Google, Digital Garage, Facebook Blueprint. Um, they're just a few of the many amazing resources out there. So yeah, my experience, like I said, it's been varied. I did a stint in events as well. Um, and all of those weird random interactions and those sort of zigzaggy parts of my career led me to the Salford. It's funny, I think there's so many things that you do throughout your career that you think, this is so random, why am I doing this? But as long as you learn one thing, that's all that counts. So even if you're in a job, it's a stepping stone right now and you're really struggling to find something else, don't see that as a negative because you will be so surprised about the skills that you take forward into your new jobs or... You know, the other day I had to do something really techy and I did six months in tech, absolutely hated it, it wasn't for me, but thankfully because I did that random job that I hated at the time, <laughs> I was able to work on this brief and it wasn't overwhelming and I kind of had this moment of, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky that I actually did that because it's really helped me. So um, yeah, not everything is a waste of time. So I think, did I, did I even answer that question? <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a huge tangent. Um, but well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's so inspiring to hear that you're so uh, prepared to just throw yourself in the deep end. And like, even if you don't know something, it's, it's so true what you said. There are so many resources out there to just teach yourself any skill. Like, every, you can learn anything online. So to know that you can just do that straight away is great. Um, you mentioned earlier about how the selfhood really took off in COVID, and you spoke about how a lot more people were using their were using their phones and was on social media a lot more. And I think that, accompanied with people being in lockdown, there's been we've seen a rise in like social me social media being associated with anxiety and depression, and this feeling that people are like really addicted to their phones. And obviously, yourself, you work in the industry, and how do you steer clear of this and and switch off from constantly feeling like you need to be online? such a great question and around the time that it was actually March this year I did a collaboration with Mind Mental Health Charity called Check Yourself Before Your Notifications and I made loads of selfhood merch and all of the profits went to Mind because I also know that as someone that works in social media and has a platform it's also my responsibility to ensure that not only my clients but the people that follow the selfhood and the people that engage with my work understand that your Instagram followers, the likes, the screen time, like that does not define you. There is a life outside of your phone. So that's something I'm really passionate about and I'm so glad you brought it up because I think it's such an important topic and it's something that we need to talk about more. I think it's really easy to, to fall into a comparison trap and it's really easy to look at people doing the most online but we have to remember that no one's talking about the fact that they might have been dumped or they've fallen out with their friend or they've had a really bad day at work or they've lost a client or um, you know all of the crappy things that happen throughout the day that is what makes us human and that is what makes us stronger. So I think understanding when you find yourself comparing yourself to people that it is essentially showreel and as much as I love it and I advocate for it, social media isn't the be all and end all. I think developing a really healthy um, relationship with your screen time as well. So I fell into an awful habit during lockdown, checking my phone first thing in the morning. 
And I read an analogy a while ago, and I think it's spot on, that if you open your apps first thing in the morning, it's like letting 500 strangers walk into your bedroom. It's like it's such an invasion of your privacy, but also it's like how can you even start your day with clarity and, um, yeah, positivity when the first thing you're doing is looking at, like, cat memes and people slagging off Kim Kardashian. It's just like your brain is just flooded. Um, so something I do now, I have all my notifications switched off till 9am. When I wake up in the morning, I read a book, a bit of my book, and I go and do a gym class. That That's what works for me. Obviously, that might look completely different for you. It might be going for a walk or having a cup of tea and talking to your parents or your housemates or, um, you know, whatever situation you're in. But I think allowing yourself to actually wake up and also before you go to sleep, I also <laughs> became, like, highly addicted to TikTok, which I think everybody did <laughs> a little while ago. And I found myself just browsing on TikTok for hours before I went to sleep. Not only were my dreams just next level madness, <laughs> <laughs> I woke up feeling really groggy and I know everything I'm saying, like it feels like it's really hard to do. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't actually recommend that you go completely cold turkey on this if you're addicted to your phone, because also if you are addicted to your phone, there is no shame in that. So many people are, so please don't feel like you're alone and that you're, you know, um, you're isolated in that because it's really easy to do. Um, but I think take small steps and build those habits. And I know that they can seem... I know that, that can seem like quite a big drastic change, but that has been huge for my my mental health. And also I think a big part of the anxiety that I've noticed, especially in younger people, is that they get scared to post about their work or their achievements or when it comes to putting themselves out there and promoting themselves online, there's this fear around what other people are going to think of them. And that sort of manifests more of an anxiety but I always say to people when they come to me with like, oh, I want to apply for this job or I want to create a website or I want to start an Instagram account for my work, but I'm scared of what other people are going to think. I always say, and this is like psychologically true. This isn't just me like trying to be the next Tony Robbins. Like This is just fact that anybody that has a problem with you trying to do well and anybody that is laughing at you for trying to make something of yourself that is a them problem, like that is their insecurity, that's actually not about you. So that's something I've also have to tell myself a lot is, and I've been trolled before, like I've had some really horrible comments. Um, and now I can laugh about it because I'm like, I actually feel sorry for you because that's kind of your problem, not mine. So I think just to recap on that, it's about understanding where that comparison comes from and just really knowing that that is just a veil of what's really happening in someone else's life by like Instagram. It's not real. It's not, it's not actually reality. Developing those healthy habits with your screen time, making sure that you've got time for you before you reach for your phone. And just remembering that that fear of comparison of what other people are thinking about you. And if anyone's mean to you or rude to you, like that is about them. That's not about you. So there's so many things. There's so many other things that I could talk about on this topic because I think it is so important and it's so relevant and it's so topical. But, yeah, I think those are kind of my main three things that I have to really work on. Myself as well, like I'm not sitting here preaching because I've had to do the work myself. So, as I said, if you feel any of that anxiety or comparison, you're absolutely not alone. Thank you so much for that. Um, I suppose one of the difficulty of actually working in the social media industry is that the trends are forever changing. So that's one reason you might be turning to your phone a lot. 
So how do you make sure that you're ahead of a game when you're building strategies for your clients? Yeah, I think it's it's funny because a lot of there's a lot of advice about social media out there that what is what I consider to be like quite tactical advice and so things like hashtags, for example, like use 30 hashtags, use five hashtags, use one hashtag. In my opinion, your brand values and what you actually stand for and your purpose is what you build a strategy around and how you communicate that with your audience because people don't buy into brands that use nice hashtags. People buy into brands that have meaning and purpose. So the first thing that I do whenever I work with a new client or um whenever I'm working one-to-one to someone, is look at what are your brand values, what are your target audience brand values, and what's that sweet spot in the middle. And then you build your strategy and your content around that because trends will come and go all of the time. And that's not to say that brands can't jump on reactive trends and take part in that viral video or, um, you know, like the Met Gala a few weeks ago. In fact, I think it was way longer than a few weeks ago. Time's just flying. Um but uh, whenever it was, loads of brands created reactive memes out of that. You know, the Kim Kardashian outfit when she was wearing it all black. Like, that was really funny and that's cool, that works. But that's not a strategy. A strategy is about, you know, how do you, how do you actually make people feel as a result of consuming your content or interacting with your brand? And I think the brands that really focus on building that human connection um, and going that extra mile, they're the brands that are a lot more successful but also I think that's where strategy comes into play so yes the kind of the trend stuff is great and it can help with brand awareness and it can help you um, develop a connection with your audience but I think really digging into brand values and purpose that's where I always start with a strategy because if you haven't got something to stand for if you don't know who you are if you don't know who you're trying to reach then the, the rest is kind of redundant so brands like Glossier, for example, and Dove and Oatly and not so recently because they've had loads of bad press, but Brewdog were before this big PR scandal, you know, they were doing amazing things. Unfortunately, you know, the, the recent PR, some of those things have been, um, yeah, jaded and tarnished. But I think the brands that we see do really, really well and garner lots of press and foster really engaged communities. They are the brands that have purpose and really drive forward a message. And as consumers now, you know, we are looking for more than just pretty pictures online and aesthetic products that we actually want to know that the brands we invest in do better for the world and um, yeah, make the earth a better place. I know it sounds really cringe, but it's just facts like especially young people as well I think young people are so clever and switched on um and also sorry I've just used that term young people that's really patronizing <laughs> but the younger generation um, and I hate using the term gen z as well because again it's such a pigeonhole phrase but I'm just if anything I'm so impressed by um people that are younger than me and every time I see the work they're doing and the things they talk about I'm like yeah go on guys like I wish that I had that knowledge when I was that age so um, yeah, I think to answer your question, sorry again, massive yeah. <laughs> I'm really passionate about this topic. Um, but yeah, I think it's about actually defining okay, what do we stand for, and then you work a strategy around that. Yeah. Also, obviously, it's very clear that social media marketing is 
more important than ever really and it's just growing in importance and to be honest if a brand and business doesn't have a social media presence you're a bit like you know what's going on because whenever i i hear about a new brand i don't check their website i straight away check their instagram and, and instantly you can get a feel for for that company but if you're a freelance social media manager and you're recognizing there's a brand out there that's doing social media marketing but not doing it very well how do you go about and, and think oh yeah i could do that better for them how do you go about sourcing them as a client and often the the clients reach out to you as a social media manager or do you have to reach out to them or is it is it a little bit of both i've been really lucky that all of my new business has come from either referrals or through instagram one thing i would say if you're looking to secure clients is to be really true to yourself, but also work out who your dream client is. So when I first started um, my Instagram account to promote my work, it was lots of baby pinks and neutrals and kind of um, colours that I, I, I personally wouldn't use. Not that there's anything wrong with that colour palette. Um, but I was marketing myself in a way that I thought was more palatable and that I thought... Um, was more professional and then I realized I love really bright colors I love the 70s I love wacky prints like, I like brands that are really disruptive and out there so I completely changed up my branding to be more true and aligned to my personality and I just started to naturally magnetize those people and I think the learning in that is establish who your ideal client is so it could be that it's a tech brand. Okay, well, you know that you need to start creating content or whether that's LinkedIn articles or TikToks where you could do reviews on like cool brands in tech right now and things they're doing. Or it could be that you start a blog, like whatever it is that you're interested in. Start writing about that topic because you will start to get the attention of the right people. Um, in terms of reaching out to brands, I think absolutely go for it. LinkedIn, people sleep on LinkedIn a lot because I think it's got a bit of a reputation of being very corporate. LinkedIn is incredible for networking. So if you see a brand that you think, I could do better, go and find their head of content, get them on a Zoom call, ask if you can meet them. Like If you've got access to travel, jump on a train and just say to them, just be really honest. Obviously, don't say, like, your marketing's crap. <laughs> I'm probably a bit offended. But just go with them. Go to them with their ideas and just say, you know, I've been thinking about your content. I think there's a missed opportunity here. I could help you with X, Y, Z. If someone came to me and said that about Selford, I'd be like, yes, absolutely. You've identified my weakness. You came to me with proactive ideas. And I think um, my friend, Steph, runs a platform. Am I allowed to swear? Um, yeah. Uh, I won't use the <laughs> I won't use the word. It's called F Being Humble, and her whole platform is around how to self-promote online. And she talks about this a lot. You know, so often we fear putting ourselves out there. The worst thing that can happen is someone just doesn't get back to you, like they won't reply to their email. But also just on that, please understand, people are so busy, quite often it's not personal, send the follow-up. Just because they didn't reply the first time, please, please follow up. If this is someone you really want to work with, I do it myself. I get emails and think, I'll reply to that, and then I forget, and it's not until someone follows up. So, And if they, if, if they, if they say no, it's not a no forever. It's a not right now. So don't be afraid to follow up again in the future. But I think, yeah, just two things there. Create content that you know your ideal client or employer 
is um, talking about. And then don't be afraid to reach out to those people directly. Also, the dots as well as LinkedIn, if you want more of a um, creative platform, the dots is exclusively for people in the creative industry. So photographers, producers, actors, artists, illustrators, you can also create an online portfolio and network with people on there. But LinkedIn and the dots, I think people just immediately go for Instagram and create Instagram accounts. But honestly, LinkedIn is like the OG of networking, in my opinion. I think it's such a great channel to use and people are intimidated by it. But if you take one thing away from today, please, please get on LinkedIn because, yeah, it's amazing. I think you touched on this a bit earlier when you were talking about um, kind of brand values. Um, but what do you think is the most important thing about building a brand online? That's such a great question. Um, I think bit, with any brand, whether it's online or offline, it's consistency. Um, what I mean by consistency is not necessarily posting 100 times a day to be consistent. Consistency is about being true to yourself at all times. Um, I've seen it before, and I used to work, um, I used to manage a few influencers and work in an influencer agency. And some of the influencers would, not through the agency, but of their own accord, would work with brands that just weren't aligned with their values. So for example, like if you're a sustainability influencer, don't then go and do a collaboration with Primark because that's completely out of alignment with your values. And I think sometimes brands, and if I would consider influencers as brands as well because in a way they're, they're personal brands, but I think they forget that consumers and followers and just general people that don't necessarily work in the industry, they're not stupid. Like We can see one minute you're posting about eco-friendly lumel and the next you're doing like a sheen haul on youtube like that's not that's not consistent and that's where the level of trust starts to break down and when you're looking to build an online brand whether it's a personal brand or whether it's um, a product-based business you know whatever it is you're doing people need to trust you um, people need to know that what you're saying is true and that you're genuinely interested in serving them and giving them great content. And then that's when you can start to sell in your product or your service because you've built that trust. But I think quite often brands will do things that you're just like, that was that was a mad move. And then they go in and ask for a sale and you're like, well, no, you've just completely gone back on your word. Um, and I think things, especially... Um, BLM last year, you know, that brought so much to light and people asked a lot of questions, rightly so. Like I said earlier, people want to know, you know, what are your CSR policies? How do you treat your staff? Like, where do you stand on, on diversity and inclusion? These things are really important questions that people have the right to ask. So I think being consistent in your values and your brand message is so key not just online but offline as well it's so true you can't you can't really hide on social media like people can people can call you out straight away if they see something they don't like so if you do have conflicting conflicting things coming out then then people recognize you you need to keep it true really when it comes to working for yourself and starting your own business it can be very exhausting because you're the person pushing it you're the person doing everything really and how do you manage your time um, and prevent yourself from burning out 
Again, such a great question and thank you for asking because I think like this is important, not just if you're starting a business, but whether you're studying, you just graduated, like whether you're trying to build, like wh wherever you're at, I think it's really easy. And do you know what? I was, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. I think it's really easy to base your worth on your productivity and it's really easy to feel like, oh, I need to be working like X amount of hours to feel like I've made any progress. So I think being really realistic with your time and the time that you have to offer and what you have to give and being really strict with that as well. So I, on a Monday and Friday now, I don't take any phone calls unless it's super urgent and they are like my admin days, my days where, Mondays are my admin days, Fridays are more of my, my creative fun days where I'll create content or um do something like go to an art gallery because that is still productive like in order for me to be creative and serve my clients to the best I can I need to get outside of my screen and off my phone and away from work so also understanding that things like whether it's going to an art gallery or a new pop-up that's not um that's still very productive like that's still things that are going to help you grow your work and your business Having the right systems in place as well. So a lot of, up until a few years ago, a lot of my work was very manual, uh, whereas now I've got project management tools and software that allows me to be more automated with my time. Um, so just a few that I can highly recommend. Airtable, it's free to download. It's a project management tool. It's um, a place you can plan all of your content. Scheduling tools, so I use later.com. So if you're managing multiple me social media accounts or your own social media account, um, you can just schedule your content and batch create it. Um, and then also working out, like, and I, I don't mean this to throw shade or like be rude, but so often people will say, can we meet for a coffee or can we jump on a call? And I have to really assess, is that a good use of my time? Can we, can I cut the two hours that it's going to take me to travel to the other side of London and put a Zoom call in instead because time is limited and also it's so important that you live your life outside of your work and your job and your business because ultimately, and I'm, I'm really big on this, but our human experiences, the interactions we have with our friends, the the exchanges that you have with strangers in a coffee shop, like your morning gym class, they are the things that shape us and they are the things that allow us to be more creative and offer people more in life. So if you're not making time for that and if you are purely working on your project or your business or whatever it is and you're burnt out, then you're also going to get creatively burnt out and your work will suffer. So, And I've learned that the hard way. I've experienced burnout a few times and thankfully I know what those telltale signs are when it starts to creep in and I've learned how not to get, not to get burnt out, which is, you know, it's really difficult, especially when you're on your laptop and your phone an awful lot. But I think being really strict with what are your non-negotiables like for me, I'm, I'm not very good at all, but I've just started DJ lessons on a Friday. I want something creative that I can switch off, create without expectation. No one's expecting me to be like the next Peggy Goo. Like I can just go and do my thing. That is a non-negotiable. I have that lesson on a Friday. I will not rearrange it. I need that. That's my release. That's my fun time where I can just go and do something a bit random, but get inspired creatively and 
people say this and it's so true like if you read any mindfulness books your best ideas come to you before you go to sleep or when you're fully switched off because you actually allow your brain to think so having that thinking time whether it's like I said the galleries or <laughs> DJ lessons or whatever it is whatever that looks like for you that's so key um and just yeah be really strict with it you're non-negotiable like that is set up your boundary like that's my day my Friday afternoon is my my creative thinking time like switch your phone off whatever you need to do but yeah being really strict on that is is super key yeah, yeah. Just, just to jump in jump in with a quick follow-up question like talking about that getting creative inspiration is something I can relate to so much because working in social media marketing and like trying to come up with new content if you're just stuck in your bedroom and you're working from home I think that's the thing as well because so many people are working from home and how are you meant to get inspired if you're just in your bedroom all day like it's very brain numbing so I often find that I've thrive so much from just getting out of the house and going to a coffee shop or like ch chatting and interacting with people because it just gives you life and just gives you that kind of creative inspiration that you need um and you also mentioned like using instagram or using linkedin or using tiktok or whatever and the thing is there are so many different platforms out there to push content but for you which channel do you feel is the most effective and yeah how do you utilize all these different marketing channels that are out there um it's it's tricky i think I, I love Instagram and I think Instagram, if you want to build a community, is the best channel because there's so many um, features that facilitate that so you can comment, you can do collaborative lives, you can slide into someone's DMs, like there's so many ways that you can connect with other people. That being said, I think it's really easy for people to put all their eggs in the Instagram basket. And there's so many untapped channels out there. So I absolutely love Pinterest. I think Pinterest is like the underdog of social media. And um, I've just started using it for selfhood literally like two weeks ago. And the organic reach on it has been amazing. I've had loads of web um, hits and it's not overly saturated right now. LinkedIn, I think, is great for networking. So I do a lot of... Um, public speaking, I speak on panels and stuff. I get loads of inquiries through LinkedIn. So I think for more like B2B stuff, LinkedIn's amazing. Email marketing as well. I think it's really important to remember that social media is rented land. So if it collapsed tomorrow and, you know, things just completely dropped, would you have people to market to? Would you have people to network with? So... Um, I'm big on email marketing as well. A lot of people say email marketing is dead, but I don't think it is. I think, you know, you get direct access to somebody's inbox. Um, you're not fighting against the noise of every other person's post online. I think it's just important that, again, like when we think about values and what purpose that serves, are you just spamming people with sales messages or are you writing a really nice personally curated newsletter that adds value to your audience and builds a deeper connection so again i think just really thinking about how you use those channels and what for is really important um i also love tiktok i think there's a real realness to tiktok it feels more raw it feels less polished um some of my favorite creators on there i think are just so genuine and sincere and it's less glossy than instagram um however for me my dream customer does not sit on TikTok. So I, I just, I, I think about who are my ideal audience? Who's my ideal audience and how can I tap into that? For me, it's Instagram and LinkedIn, but it purely depends on what you're doing. It purely depends on 
what who you're trying to target and where you sit so i think doing some research on each of the channels look at the demographic that primarily uses those channels and you know i mean there's this misconception that tiktok is just loads of 12 year olds like twerking it's not like there's such a diverse demographic on tiktok so obviously take what you read with a pinch of salt but i think you'll be able to gauge when you start using these channels and these platforms is my target audience here is there an opportunity for me to connect but just sorry one more note because i know i've been rambling on um I think it's also really worth assessing what time do I have because I always say this to my clients, I would rather see you on one or two channels and do it really, really well and produce quality content that reflects your brand values rather than do every single channel just because you feel like you have to be there and then end up compromising on the quality of your content. Because again, when we think about consistency, everything we put online is a digital footprint. So if I put a really crappy YouTube video up and then I don't attend to YouTube for a year and a half and someone stumbles across that YouTube video, that's their first interaction of the Salford. I don't want that to be the the first interaction. I'd want them to see all of the other content that I spend loads of time on on Instagram and LinkedIn. So I think as well as being really clear on who am I targeting, where are they most likely to be active, also being realistic. Do you just want to create a blog and put loads of time and energy into that blog? You might then start to repurpose that content into Instagram carousel posts or LinkedIn mini articles because you can repurpose content as well. In fact, you absolutely should repurpose content. Um, I think doing your research first is is super key. It's interesting. Um, I know you mentioned earlier kind of taking the plunge with the selfhood, even though you didn't really have many savings at the time. I think a lot of our students and graduates, um, when they think about starting a business, they fear the salary drop. Mm-hmm. So when did you feel like it was the right time for you to, from starting your side hustle to going full time with the selfhood? I went completely full-time and for full transparency in the first year of Salford I made probably half what I did in my full-time salary. I made a lot less money Um, and that was, it was challenging but I think you've got to think about the long game and I find this really frustrating but there's this kind of narrative online at the moment about I made £10,000 in one month and look how successful I am. That's not that's not the reality of running a business. Like it, it is really hard. However, you have to think about the rewards. I'm so grateful for freedom. Like I started at 10 this morning. I got to do my favorite gym class. I'm now recording a podcast with you guys. I get to curate what my days look like. And for me, that's priceless. Um, and I think you have to really think about, because you can get really well-paid salaries. And also, I think, you know, it's really important that we don't shame people that want to be a full-time work, because that's also absolutely fine. If you want to be, you know, there's there's a lot of upsides for working for, with an employer. Like, you know, you've got stability, you've got a guaranteed salary each month, you know what you're earning. Um, you know, there's loads of benefits to it. For me, I wanted to be able to travel, um, which... <laughs> Funnily enough, I was able to do, and then obviously COVID came and just ruined everything. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the, in, hopefully in the future, that will be an option that I can just take my laptop and go work from anywhere. I wanted to be able to take Friday afternoons off. And I just wanted to have more autonomy over what my days looks like. Um, so I think you have to be realistic about 
what you can and can't earn. But also something that I didn't do was take into consideration all of my overheads. So when you're billing a client and you might work on a project basis, you might work on an hourly rate, you might work on a day rate, like everyone works different, there's no right or wrong. Um, but I was just billing for my time and not considering that I have subscriptions, I have a phone bill, like I pay for a co-working space. All of those are your business expenses. So you're not just billing the client for you, you're billing it for everything it takes to run your business. So I think don't, don't be shy on incorporating those costs. And also, like, don't be afraid to have a look around and look at what other people are charging because... I didn't do that. And like I said, I, I definitely didn't earn a lot of money in my first year, which is fine. You know, I, I, I'm happy to talk about that transparently and openly. because I would do it all again because I'm happy with, with where I'm at. But I think, again, it's that comparison thing. Please don't fall into this trap of they're making loads of money and they've just bought this, that and the other because everyone's journey is so different. And I think that is like the beauty of all of this, that if we all took the same path, that would be so boring. And the fact that, you know, everyone has hurdles. Everyone goes through crap. Everyone experiences moments of, oh, my God, what have I just done? Like, I've had loads, I've had loads of mistakes that I've made. But, yeah, the, the beauty is that I get to talk about those stories and it's nice to reflect on. So um, I hope that answered the question. I think yeah. it's about weighing up, like, what are your priorities? Because, yeah, you could go and get a really good like well-paid job but if you do crave that freedom it's okay if you don't make as much money as you make in the first year like you're building something big so yeah get clear on your vision and just focus on the end goal that's the thing working freelance is definitely a real hard grind and I remember this is a slight off topic but I remember when I was younger I had work experience and it was in an investment bank and it was a really good opportunity but I remember meeting someone saying that don't get boxed in by the money because often like in these in these roles and again like you said no judgment to anyone who's in these roles but you start making loads of money but you kind of sell yourself to that job whereas like you said if, if you're working freelance you may be earning less money but you do have the freedom to do a gym class in the morning or just like you said just navigate your day however you want it so so yeah freelance has a lot of benefits really and obviously a lot of the students listening to this podcast will be considering to go freelance but what would you say your your key bit of advice is to any any student deciding to start freelancing while at, still at university? Yeah, I, I also just want to caveat on that as well. I don't want anyone listening to this to think that you can't earn money freelancing. Like my second year of business was completely different and I definitely earned more than I did in my salary. So please don't think that I'm saying, don't freelance, you'll be poor forever. Because um, <laughs> also like when you do a, a full-time job, you, your salary increases are determined by your employer. It's up to you how much when you freelance, like if you want to scale up a digital product or start doing passive income. Like there's so much opportunity when you're looking at alternative revenue streams. So um, yeah, my first year was rubbish, but please don't let that put you off. Um, and sorry, I, said, I just said the word rubbish. It wasn't rubbish. It just wasn't um, as great as I had hoped, but that's okay that like you learn from it. Um, my biggest piece of advice, my best piece of advice for anyone looking to freelance, ask for help initially. So if there is something that you don't understand, whether that's about taxes, whether that is about networking, whether that's about the best software to use, just ask people because it's, I remember when I first started, I, I felt this kind of like pride and pressure. Because I had a few people say to me, aren't you a bit young to be doing that? Or are you sure you want to do that? 
And I was just like, I'm going to prove you all wrong and do this by myself. And as a result, I've got myself into some right pickles, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> um, and I do just wish that I'd spoken to people that were either doing what I'm doing now or um, had had a similar experience because you're not a burden. Everyone's been there. I've been there. Bill Gates has been there. Like Everybody um, has been there. It doesn't matter who they are. So I think being... Yeah, just, just ask questions and don't be afraid. And like I said at the beginning, no question is too big or small. If you've not done something before, then how the hell are you supposed to know? And there's loads of conflicting information online. Like you can Google one question and get 100 million responses. Um, so I think identifying people, have a look. And it could be like, it might not even be freelance, it might be a career. Like You might see that, okay, I really want to work in the content team of Nike reach out to the head of content at night and say, I'd love to ask you a bit about your journey. Most of the time, people are just flattered that you've asked and people um, are, are mostly happy to help you. And like I said earlier, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, sorry, I'm too busy or not reply to your email. It's not the end of the world. No one's going to die. Um, so I think really just asking for help is, is really key. And it's something that I wish I'd done a lot more of. That's interesting you say about um, freelancers asking each other's questions. Um, do people message you on your social media to ask questions about freelancing and what sort of questions do they tend to ask? Yeah, all the time. All the time I get asked, what software do I use? Um, I'm, I'm actually doing some training and again, talking about upskilling. I And this is actually a really nice story, but a, a graduate messaged me last year to ask me about how I went freelancing. She's now my graphic designer and does all of my branding. But after this call, she's teaching me how to use a piece of software called Dubsado. But, you know, I, I had to message her and say how to use it. And we're now on a call. So, again, that's why networking is so key because people will always have questions. I have questions for other freelancers. And um, just because I run a business, you know, it doesn't mean that the work stops. I still have loads of questions all the time. There's still things that I definitely don't understand. Um, but, yeah, I get asked loads of things. What software do I use? Um, if I could do a review on any new um, features, on new software. Um, I get a lot of, I actually get a lot of questions from graduates or people that are studying, asking about my journey um, and how I got into freelancing. But I think, again, like we're all humans. We're attracted to storytelling because we want to know the ins and outs. So, like I said, whenever I get asked, you know, I'd love to hear more. I'm, I'm always just really flattered. I'm like, oh, that's so cool that like, you want to learn more about what I do. So, I think, again, it's just, that just reaffirms that reaching out to people and asking questions is okay and I would really encourage you to do that yeah thank you so much that Daisy and I think it's been fascinating talking to you because we've we've covered such a wide range of topics and we've honestly learned so much from hearing your story um but we're running out of time really so kind of one final question would be what what is next for the Selford what do you plan for the future oh Great question. Um, honestly, I don't have like a three-year business plan, and partly because, as we, we covered at the beginning, social and digital changes so quickly, so I can't really plan for the future. I think something I would love to do is more in-person events um, and actually get people interacting together in real life, because especially after this year, you know, we've been on our phones, we've been 
deprived of connection. So I'm looking into events at the moment and doing more kind of, I don't even want to use the word networking because that word, I know it's um, got negative connotations, but just bringing people together and actually connecting and meeting people IRL, I think is on my radar. But in terms of like the long-term big plan, we'll have to stay tuned because I don't even know <laughs> myself. Um, but yeah, I think more IRL is what I'm, I'm leaning towards. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's been really amazing and inspiring. I'm sure our students and graduates are going to find it super useful listening to what you've had to say. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you with some follow-up questions, do you have any social media pages you'd like to plug? I do indeed. Um, as I said, LinkedIn, I'm Daisy Morris on LinkedIn. Pop me a message if you've got any questions. Um, if you want any advice, my messages, DMs are always open. I'm also at the underscore self underscore hood on Instagram. And if you fancy it, you can sign up to my newsletter as well via um, the link in my bio on Instagram. But yeah, if you've got any questions or you want some advice or just anything, please feel free to reach out because I've been where you are and I know how it feels and I know some of the challenges that come with it. So I'm always happy to help people. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Daisy. Speak soon then. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Passion and Hustle podcast. If you want to find out more from the speakers or what we do here at Westminster Enterprise Network, then head over to our social media channels at underscore we network. With new episodes being released every two weeks, you'll be able to continue listening and getting inspired along your own journey of bringing your passion project to life.